Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Paused Reviews. Welcome back, one and all, to your favorite podcast, the Paused Reviews Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Frank, joined by my co-host, Tim. Tim, looking sweaty yeah. today, buddy. Yeah, it's um, very, very <laughs> warm in my house. We haven't had air conditioning since Wednesday. Ugh. And it's Sunday. And just in time for the massive heat wave. Like, if like, this had yeah, happened, you... like, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you'd be breezy. Fine. Totally fine. <laughs> Uh, I mean, my wife is from Central California. She's used to like 100 degree heat plus in the summer, rolling blackouts. And she has previously said she's pregnant, um, as Frank knows. And uh, she's previously. But nobody else on our listening audience knows that, Tim. This is news. Surprise. Yay. Uh, So (laughs) she has said previously that she's like, I I don't mind. Like, she likes being hot. She doesn't doesn't care. Um, She hates every other month of the year except like the end of june all of july and most of august like anything outside of that she prefers doesn't exist but i've been teasing her because i'm like well you wanted to be pregnant during the summer and now we have no air conditioning so there you go so a couple things come to mind number one being from california i don't understand all that not being from california but i'm from puerto rico i am from an actual rainforest tropical jungle of an island um i don't want anything to be higher than 68 degrees like just because i come from the jungle doesn't mean that i want to stay in it yeah her oldest sister was like absolutely the same way she peaced out to oregon as soon as she could so she's in oh so uh washington she's she's in seattle washington and she was like anything above 60 is way too hot for her bro um and anything below 100 is too cold for my wife so you know yeah so the other thing i hear too is like she loves the months i hate and uh and hates the months i love yeah so i mean like i think we're we're kind of primed for this because she actually keeps the house at 80 during the day when we have air conditioning so um i work in the basement so i'm cool down here um (laughs) But Wednesday was very distressing when all of a sudden this awful noise came from our utility closet. I've hung up every extra curtain that I could find in our house. We've got three fans, and I've managed to keep it 84, mostly in the house, oh. although right now right now it's 85. So, um, And I've pointed the fan away from me while we record, so yeah, that's, that's, that's why I'm, I'm glistening. <laughs> Bro, if, uh, by the way, point the fan at you, Tim point the fan at you and uh and second of all dude if my house ever reached 80 i would just set it on fire because it's clearly (laughs) it's clearly what's happening and i would just walk away like the world has ended i will say though uh my pain is the listener's gain because i have used this as an excuse to just entrench myself in the basement the last couple days and i was just like whatever i just i watched three movies today alone i watched a couple movies yesterday i've just been like well i'm not cleaning i'm not working on anything i'm not doing crap i'm just posted up in the basement so yeah you know Ugh. i'll suffer but we got some good stuff to talk about because i'm suffering so all right well let's jump into it so this is a rewind episode so we're gonna we have a couple of things that we want to talk about in the news section one or two things and then i don't know i think we're gonna dive in a little bit deeper than we normally do into some of the stuff we've been watching uh we'll each talk about two separate things that we've seen mm-hmm. and kind of dive into those 
and no better time than the present. So let's do this. Let's start with yeah. uh, let's start with some news. So this week, pretty sure on the fifteenth, NBC Universal uh, launched their new Peacock streaming service, which. Peacock has been around in some version, shape, or form for a while now, but this was their big retool, rebrand, ready to compete with HBO Max, Netflix, and all the other major streaming services, right? So so they launched on the 15th, we're just going to say launched, and I don't know, man, did they like win the game on day one? Peacock does something that no other streaming service does. They offer a seven-day free trial for their premium stuff. But they, unlike everyone else, offer a absolutely free plan, and it's and it's immediately available with thousands of hours of free content, and not just random nonsense content, but content you actually want to watch, like shows like Thirty Rock, Frasier, Saved by the Bell, all of Saved by the Bell available like out the gate, and then a few big movies like the Matrix trilogy, things like that. Now, 30 Rock and Parks and Rec are already on the service, and eventually, so too will be The Office, uh, once existing licenses expire with Netflix and such, which is still a couple years out. Like, I think The Office is staying at Netflix until at least 2021, if not maybe 2022. Like, it's, it's a while yet. But Peacock will be the only place that you can watch a lot of these hit shows that have brought in a lot of viewership to Netflix, for example. Most people who watch Netflix are watching that more than almost anything else. So, you know, it's going to be interesting when so much of this is free on Peacock and, and then there's so much more. There is premium accounts available. So you can do the stuff for free and see a bunch of stuff. There are some things that you have to pay for the premium account to be able to access. Uh, And that's just even more stuff that you actually want. So more classic sitcoms like King of Queens and Everybody Loves Raymond. And also more big time Paramount Network shows like, for example, Yellowstone, which is one that I've been, I've seen a few episodes of it and I've been wanting to watch it. Mm-hmm. but it's you, you almost have to buy it to watch it, and I haven't been ready to pull that trigger, but that's going to be available on Peacock as long as you pay for the premium. So there's two tiers for the premium thing, ad-supported, which is only $4.99 after a seven-day trial, and you watch ads, but you get access to everything. And then they have an ad-free version for 5 bucks more, $9.99 after the seven-day free trial, the big difference between the two besides the ads, though, is that the $9.99 tier, which is, I think, called, you know, Premiere Plus or something like that, that will eventually support offline viewing as well, which it isn't currently offered, but uh, apparently they're working on it. It's being released soon. So you'd be actually be able to download content and watch it on the go or whatever. So you just have to ask yourself, is the five bucks worth it? Sure. All of this... It's massive, massive, yeah. massive news, number one, to offer so much stuff for free. And then number two, to offer the rest of your catalog at such a low price. I mean, this, and, and NBC is a massive catalog. Not just NBC, yeah, right? Universal, sure. lots of movies, lots of content for a yeah. fraction of the price. I mean, I feel like this rivals, I mean... That's not exactly true. Disney Plus is literally the rest of the of, of film right. and television right. stuff. But this is 
a huge, huge game changer. And and how much do you do we think that this is going to affect the streaming video on demand market? I mean, every time something like this happens, it's a game changer, right? True. True. Um, also, in some ways, we're almost coming full circle, right? I, I mean, I think back to you know early Hulu and early Hulu had free plans, right? Like back in the day, right? I can't remember anything good that was actually on early Hulu. I think, you know, it was, it wasn't, you know, nothing probably that was up to this part. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But and I like, feel like too, like early Hulu, even if there was a lot of stuff you wanted to watch, you were very limited. It was like yeah. the three most recent episodes or something like that. Right. Exactly. Not an entire um, catalog of a nine season run of a massive sitcom. Yeah. Um, so we're sort of coming back around to that, like, let's offer some stuff for free, but at the same time, we're also coming back around to like, you know, this cable idea where suddenly, you know, all of us who cut the, cut the cord because we were paying 150 bucks a month in cable and internet bill, dropped that down to, you know, 70, 80 just for internet. Now we're going to tack on, you know, the $4, $5, whatever for Netflix and Hulu. And we're going to be right back up to that 150 to have everything because everything's going to be so spread out amongst the proprietary platforms. That is so, true. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting where that's heading. Um, but, we, you know, you, you got to I mean, I think you got to pick and choose. Right. I mean, I, I think you're right. You probably could go with this and Disney Plus and be pretty happy with it. But I think we're just going to end up where the originals are going to be a big draw too. whoever can produce some of the best original content. Um, you know, it's going to be one of those things like no different than the premium channels that you had on your cable. It's like you're going to watch the shows that are on NBC. You're going to watch the shows that are on Fox or whatever. Um, so it's going to end up kind of going back to, to where we were. See, real quick and, and not to cut you off. Here's what I kind of see. So I'm already someone I have sort of like a stable of staples that I yeah. maintain all the time. And I've talked about this. And then and yeah. then I like to kind of cycle through some of the, the the streamers and catch up on things that that I want to see. So, you know, kind yeah. of that binge mentality, you sign up for a month and you just binge as much as you can and then you watch something else for a while and then you come back right so so i do that with hulu i do that with dc universe i do that with stars network things like that like like i've mentioned my yeah. wife watches outlander so when that drops we'll do that and it was the same with hbo hbo mm -hmm. you would sign up when game of thrones was in season and while you were at it watch as much of ballers and barry and succession as you possibly could as you were watching game of thrones and then as soon as game yeah. of thrones is over you cancel HBO until the next season. Right. Right. And so I guess my big thing is this. Netflix has always been a massive staple because on Netflix, you watched The Office. You, you had a lot of day-to-day -day background grind stuff that you could watch, right? Parks and Rec, The yes. Office, all these sitcoms and stuff that you would check out. The fact that they had other movies and things like that, an added bonus. And their original sure. content has also just kind of been another thing where, sure, I'll check that out. The key thing with Netflix is I don't think they've really cracked the code on creating consistently high quality original content right. that would make me maintain a monthly thing. So my bit is if Disney Plus is seven bucks and I can get access to Disney, uh, um, Fox, Marvel, all the right. big name stuff that my kids watch and that we watch, and then for five bucks, get NBC, 
which kind of covers all the sitcoms that everybody loves. Raymond, The Office, Frasier, Cheers. Say, but like all the the random little sitcommy stuff that you watch. On top of that, Universal and Paramount films and, and right my catalog now is massive for the for less than what i pay for netflix alone right and if something big drops on netflix so, like i see now what used to basic netflix replaced not only blockbuster and the way that we consume movies and all that kind of stuff netflix legitimately replaced television because sure. we could watch all this stuff Netflix now feels a lot more and is certainly priced a lot more like a premium channel, like an HBO, yeah. like a yeah. like a Showtime or whatever. Is those of us who have cut the cord, me being one of them, if I can do 12 bucks and get two or three network television streaming things where I get my daily grind from and then just cycle through my premiums as certain seasons come to rise like is netflix the new hbo and is netflix no longer that staple that you keep in the stables and rely on every day and instead you just sort of the one or two things you want to check out you do it when it's time yeah i mean it's all i we're, we're also all living in that kind of gray area right now where a lot of people are password sharing among family. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, I know people very well that, uh, you know, maybe one part of the family plays for Hulu and another part of the family pays for Netflix and another part of the family pays for Disney Plus and it's all under one login and it's shared. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know these people by name, but I, but I know them. <laughs> I know them very well, but I don't know their names. Um, you know, it's like that, or, you know, like you said, another way of quote unquote cheating the system would be to do the free trial stuff. Like, you know, we well, get so one shot with that. Is there ways that they'll crack down on this type of stuff? And I, that's it, been a question, especially with password sharing that people have been asking for a while, but what is the cost of doing something about it? Right. But at some point you feel like they have to, they have to figure out a way because they, they are losing some money, especially amongst password sharing. Well, I think too, it's going to, it's really going to change now that there are so many competitors. Yeah. And now that, like I said, big, big streamers like Netflix are losing so much of that daily grind content to the proprietary folks who are building their own systems. Yeah. I think, for example, my my father and I, we were on a family plan, like through Google or whatever, which meant that we can share everything. So we can share our Google Play library and we can share, um, he had YouTube TV, so we had YouTube TV. And then suddenly that stopped working. And it used to be that it didn't matter, as long as you were in the family, they didn't care where those four or five or whatever the limit of people was. It didn't yeah. matter where they were. But suddenly it changed and YouTube TV got more expensive. They added more channels and then they got a lot more serious about that. And you have to be in the same zip code. It didn't mean you had to be in the same house, but you had to be in the same general area. Right. Yeah. So like the watch. So the fact that my folks moved to Florida, we could no longer share YouTube TV. So my dad was yeah. like, well, why am I going to keep paying if you can't even use it? And right. so we canceled it. So I think there's going to be a lot more of that as a lot of people start to kind of say, you know, I can't have all these things. There's going to start, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more crackdown on, on the password sharing. And, you know, Disney plus has already put things like that into play. It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot, it's very difficult to, to have that, you know, and with limits on how many, now it's not so much how many people log in or how many profiles, it's how many screens are accessing content at the same time. Netflix yeah. made this move a long time ago, 
right? And so, you know, we pay like 16 bucks or whatever a month for Netflix because, you know, we we needed four screens. Right. Because we had three adults in the same house who were accessing the content all at once. Yeah. And so um, there's going to be a lot more of that. And I guess I just I'm fascinated to see, I think, what people have figured out. And by people, I mean these production companies. I mean these uh, broadcast studios. What they have figured out is that the way to take out Netflix and to, to chip out their piece of that pie is to take back the licensed IP that they have given to them, yeah. keep it for yourself, develop your own system, and and run it super cheap because people want to see The Office all the time, yeah. and they'll pay you five bucks to do it. What seemed to be a giant that no one was ever going to topple and in mm -hmm. fact was just changing the the game every step with being Netflix what we're seeing now is I think Netflix is going to be the new HBO. Yeah. The bad thing for Netflix is their originals aren't as good as HBO's. Yeah, I mean, that's that's totally highlighted by um, they released their top most viewed movie list. Right. And that list is an absolute mess of hit or total garbage miss. Right. I mean, I haven't I have not I've yet to see Bird Box, but I know a lot of people watched it and a lot of people liked it. But then also on that list, you have Frank's favorite of The Wrong Missy, which we've talked about recently. Frame, favorite's a strong word, Tim. <laughs> but I did love it. So, Which was an absolute garbage movie, in my opinion. So <laughs> you've got... That, so that's just, you know, that is speaking to that. I mean, that's in their top 10 most watched lists, like Bird Box and The Wrong Missy. Like, come on. On. Dude, there's so many. And to speak to that very briefly, I think we're gonna do a we're gonna do a watch. I will yeah. say though, the old it has already changed. So the old guard is actually well into the top ten now. I think in the first like yeah, in the first week or two or whatever, it hit seventy three million views. So Crazy. that puts it like firmly in like the top three or so. Yeah. Um, which would knock something out yeah but you know we're definitely going to do a watch on on that top 10 and maybe rank it ourselves and kind of give yeah. some reviews so you've got that to look forward to but no you're you're absolutely right it's, it's the perfect highlight because yeah. this is that is their it's focused solely on their original content and even yeah. the viewerships now to netflix's credit during the course of the pandemic and in their quarterly earnings meetings or whatever they did add a mess of new subscriptions like yeah. a massive amount but we just launched nbc and right. and eventually like i said those licenses are going to run out and things are going to kind of change and shift i don't know like i'm finding well, myself saying am i going to keep it yeah well i mean and i think that's the other interesting thing and i think you hit on this earlier which sort of answers the question um this launch for NBC hasn't really been without a little bit of drama, and it seems a little bit more manufactured if you actually look at what has happened. Yeah, this um, is some interesting. Of the things, yeah, some of the things that I saw jump right off the button was that big titles were expiring really quickly off of Peacock. Yep. Um, and that within you know, like 3 a.m. on the 16th, uh, a couple of movies were leaving. So barely 24 hours after launching, Fast and the Furious had uh, already come down uh, off of Peacock. And then right on the heels of that, at the end of this month, July 31st, they're going to lose Shrek, all three uh, original Jurassic Park. So Jurassic Park, 
Lost World and then Jurassic Park 3, as well as the Matrix movie. So July 31st. Now, what I think the confusing part in there is like what Frank led off with is that we didn't necessarily launch Peacock so much as a a sort of a rebrand. So these things might have already been on the streaming service in its initial incarnation. But if you're just signing up to Peacock, this stuff is going to fall off. And there's more beyond this that will expire pretty quickly. But that, along with the fact that Peacock has not been able to sign a deal with Amazon Fire Stick or Roku either. So we're also kind of also now getting into that world of cable disputes back in the day, right? Like if you've ever been watching TV and that little thing comes across the bottom, it's like, call your cable provider because as of July 31st, Disney Channel will no longer be available you know, in this area. You see it a lot with some regional sports networks. You know, call you know, Comcast and let them know that you want to keep, uh, you know, xyz sports channel on your package so you start to see some of this now is the fire stick and the roku thing because uh, you know comcast and xfinity are rolling out their own device you know i love my roku i think roku is great i got all my streaming services on it i've definitely i liked it i've liked it much better than my original google chrome um i've got everything stored in there so to me it's no different than watching tv but those are some of the the drama pieces if you will that have come out of this launch as well justified or not yeah and roku so roku users make up the largest portion of streaming device users and that's mainly because too there have been a lot of instances where apple was struggling to cut deals you know especially with like casting ability and things like Mm -hmm. that that being said Roku knows this and they know they have the biggest market and so I know this was an issue with HBO Max. HBO Max has struggled to make deals with Roku and Fire Stick and it's been mainly that you know Roku wants the normal cut of the pie or maybe a little bit more um, in terms of allow you know basically giving access to their users. Um, Now the way around this is if you have a Chromecast you know HBO Max has allowed you to cast things and do that kind of stuff. So there's ways around it, but it is interesting. And, and I feel like Peacock is kind of suffering the same fate there, but it's a massive market yeah. that is certainly going to keep your numbers low. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I, I, this is all continuing to evolve, right? I mean, it's absolutely uh, fascinating, especially, to me. especially in the tech world, you know, like at one point you said, Netflix looked like it was going to stand on the shoulder of giants for a long time. And now things have, things have changed. Um, so yeah, it, it will be super interesting to see what this all looks like in the next two, five, 10 years, if we're all still kicking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, so shifting gears slightly, some, I have, I have some more fun um, or potentially sad box office numbers that I want to talk about. <laughs> um, depends on how you look at it, what your outlook is. Yeah. Um, I did mention a couple weeks ago, I think on our last rewind, that Jurassic Park had set a record for like the longest span of time between being number one at the box office uh, and it had, had reached number one again. Um, after whatever it was like 20 some years so it was 93 to 2020 so do the math i'm not gonna do it (laughs) hot (laughs) Uh, but uh the past two weekends so going back to the fourth of july weekend we've had two new movies kind of slide in there and sort of break that record over the fourth of july weekend and this is as of as of july 6th ghostbusters after 36 years took the top spot in the box office over that three-day weekend it grossed uh 550,000 with a five-day gross so reopening on july 1st of 656,000 
So wow. that is, again, 36 years after it was number one uh, at the box office, it is number one again. And that's um, got to be huge because Afterlife was supposed to be yeah, coming out. And absolutely, so, yeah. right. And it's actually a big deal for Sony because they claimed top spot at the holiday box office last year with Spider-Man Homecoming. And then actually they came, they claimed the top two spots over the holiday weekend this year um, because Jumanji, the next level, made over 300000 at the holiday box office, so that July 4th weekend. So they had the top two spots at the box office. Dude, the these weekend. numbers are hilarious. Right? Hilarious. Well, so then we follow that up. So the following weekend of July 11th and 12th, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back had a three-day of 611000 and a five-day of 644, so just under Ghostbusters' previous five-day. Um, and that was 23 re- years after the uh, special edition release in the 90s. Oh, I thought you were going to say 23 years from release. I was no. like, oh, Timothy. No, so that was it was it was again number one at the box office 23 years ago in the 90s when they did the special edition release so wow yeah so uh and this is all this is all interesting right because what i think is really really cool about this is all of this is in part due to the covid induced renaissance of the drive-in movie theater right Mm -hmm. because this is where a lot of people are going to see these things you know a, a medium that has been dead for most uh, all of my adult life well right? and now I, can, I i talked they're building a new one here in fredericksburg which is just yeah. south of where i'm living so not sure. only what used to be dead is sort of getting a revival they're actually rebuilding them and i can't ima- I, I have to imagine the infrastructure is not as bad right because you just need a screen the ability to show the movie and then you tune in on a radio station or a bluetooth or something right. like that right so it, it seems to be a little bit more accessible and with maybe not as big of, if you've got the land i think the land is probably going to be your biggest outlay of cash with right? being able to listen on your radio it's already leaps and bounds ahead of like i mean the original drive-ins it was like a contraption that you would yeah. put into your car like a speaker right. and listen right. to it yeah 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 so i i think this is absolutely fascinating but then beyond that it's just the trivia and history factor of what pop culture looks like during this really unique season of all of our lives right like i know we would all love to be kicking back in a movie theater and like either watching you know ghostbusters afterlife or mulan or whatever new blockbuster you were looking forward to you know this summer um but it's really cool to see the classics kind of just get this second or third wind in wide distribution um and you know get a little exposure uh and you know some kind of family bonding i've seen tons of posts you know people are like hey i'm taking my kid to see you know my favorite movie from when i was their age and we're gonna go see it at the drive-in you know or something like that so it's adding a little levity to these situations you know um and and those kinds of screenings have been kind of in the niche market, you know, like Ghostbusters gets a release here or Nightmare Before Christmas gets a 3D release somewhere for a couple of weeks. But like, these are the only way to go see some of these movies unless you're going to do stream in home and people want to get out, <laughs> you know, not, you know, even an hour or two in your car is better than another night on the couch, I guess, in some instances, right? That's so. absolutely true. But you know what strikes me along with all that is that, these movies that came out in the 80s, the 90s, whenever, 
we watch them on our phones while we're taking a dump and we watch them (laughs) in the house and we all obviously television technology everything has we all basically have a theater some version of a theater in our homes right yeah 55 inch or bigger sound bars and subwoofers and whatever the situation is right they're so readily available now and the tech has just increased exponentially but nothing especially with our kids right nothing i saw jurassic park in the theater i watched dinosaurs chasing and eating people that were massively huge on screen you know our kids we 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 get so excited to show them these movies and and we get so excited to rewatch these movies there is something so magical right even though the numbers are low and, and whatever the situation comparative to what we're accustomed to in today's day and age you know there's so many movies that to be able to experience them again in the theater yeah. is amazing. And to experience them in a drive-in, which is even bigger, right. is even cooler. Like, what a neat experience that this that has been born of this awful, awful time. Yeah. Um, but it's so exciting. It's, it's, I mean, Empire Strikes Back. All these Ghostbusters. Like, what a cool thing to be able to see again. Yeah, I mean, I think that the best way that I can, I mean, I, yeah, I saw Jurassic Park in theaters too, and I still remember cowering in the seat. And I, however old I was, my sister was there too, and she's two years younger than I was. So that yeah. was 93, and so I was eight, seven, eight, and so she was five maybe and my grandfather took us to see it. I still remember the movie theater. I still remember like trying to shrink down into my seat, but I did not like I knew Star Wars existed. I knew in pop culture because it was referenced in a lot when we were kids. It was in the opening uh, uh, the opening title for Muppet Babies cartoon when I was kids. I, I had some Star Wars books. Darth Vader was everywhere. So I knew a little bit about it, but I had never actually seen Star Wars or Empire or Return of the Jedi until the special the, the the special release and i waited oh, interesting. and i watched them as they came out again my, my same grandfather took me to see uh the return of the jedi who the same grandfather took me to see uh jurassic park and i remember <laughs> him falling asleep in probably both of those movies um <laughs> but like so i had that that vis- visceral reaction i you know so i don't know would i have fallen in love with star wars had i watched it on a home vhs but I got to see it the first time like people did in 1977 when A New Hope came out. I right. had that same experience. And so there is, I mean, there's nothing that will replace that experience to see those dinosaurs on a huge screen. And to see it on a drive through would be nuts. And we've mentioned before how well that movie is, holds up. So Absolutely. to see that on a, on a giant screen is just, it's, it's just fascinating. Um, but again, it just highlights this weird, weird time that we live in. Um, but uh it's it, it's still fascinating. A little bit of trivia that when we're able to kind of look back on these times and be like, we got through all that. Like, look at this weirdness. You know, we had Tiger King, we had Star Wars and Ghostbusters and Jurassic Park, <laughs> oh, number yeah. one at the box office, and drive-throughs came back. Like, it'll just be one of those weird things that that we're able to kind of hopefully someday look back at with a little bit of levity. Dude, so. you brought. I had forgotten about Tiger King, and yes, you brought that <laughs> back into my life, and now I'm enraged. Um, <laughs> Let's dive into the next bit. Errors and omissions. I forgot. We actually have one. So oh, yeah. last week, we uh, we did a deep dive into Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. And, and there was a moment in the end of the episode where, uh, how can I put this? I wouldn't say I was wrong, 
as much as I would say that I was wrong. Um, I it was <laughs> so we you can, put it, you can put it this way. I noticed something that you did not, dude. And that might be a first. It amazes me at how I missed this obvious place. So I I went back and rewatched the gentleman after the episode. So we were talking about the end of the gentleman, and yeah. and I had. I, I was really hung up on the notion of, you know, my big question for the end is how did the how did the boxing kids know that the Russians were coming after Mickey? And the answer, and the answer that was obvious to Tim was they didn't, bro. They went to kill Mickey. Um, and so, anyways, so I had said in the last episode I was going to rewatch it and try to get it, it's blatantly obvious. That's exactly what happens. I did a little bit of research. It took me about ten seconds of uh, I didn't even Google. I didn't even finish Googling it it was just like hey in the end of the general and then google just said yes frank they went to kill mickey and accidentally <laughs> saved him um so i just wanted to touch on that just because we had kind of left that and we didn't really leave that in limbo it was pretty clear at the end of the episode but i wanted to say 100 percent, tim was right caught it all enjoyed it the first time as it was fully intended it took me three viewings <laughs> It took, it took me three viewings to realize that, uh, yes, the boxer kids 100% went to kill Mickey and inadvertently saved him by killing the Russians instead. So, so it's, there we go. Instead of being a massive plot hole, was actually a larger <laughs> twist. It was, yeah, instead of being a plot hole, it was actually a logical <laughs> ending and a really fun joyride for those right. uh, who were paying attention. Um, anyway, so I just wanted to throw that out there. And, and bring that to a nice close. And that brings us to what are we watching now? Ooh, yeah. yeah. Well, Tim, I'm, you mentioned that you've been doing nothing but watching stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've actually, I've let's start with Tim. Ton. Yeah, I, I've watched a ton. But I do, I want to touch on what we do in the shadows uh, and then Palm Springs. So what we do in the shadows, my sister was begging me to watch this. And I have to tell you that if you have not watched the show, you need to go watch it because it is hilarious and it is amazing. I loved the movie. Yeah, so I haven't watched the movie yet and I wanted to watch it first because I didn't want it to be one of those situations where it's like, oh, well, I want to watch the movie. Everybody loves the movie, but then like the TV show is going to pale in comparison because I'm going to fall in love with the characters from the movie. So I wanted to do it that way. So then I could maybe write the TV show off, like if it didn't come to expectations. But I will say the show is produced by Jermaine Clement and uh, Taika Waititi, who directed and written starred in the movie. Right. So um, and they actually both take turns directing episodes as well. So while you might have different characters and, and actors, there is through line, right? There is through production. They didn't just hand this off to you know, some other set of, of artistic minds and have them pick up the idea. It is the, still the same creative team. Right. Um, and so I started it and I will say at first blush, I wasn't fond of the style. I, it's one of the reasons I don't like the office is I just, that style of mockumentary, like the shaky cam style mockumentary just is not my style. Like I said, I watched, um, you know, the, the Christopher guest movies and I love all of those, you know, Spinal Tap and Waiting for Guffman, but that's not the shaky cam style of mockumentary. So I was like, ah, am I really going to like this? I don't know. 
But I immediately fell in love with the four main characters. Documentary crew is making a documentary, although it's never really addressed why they're making this documentary, as far as I can remember. But they are uh, doing a documentary about this house of vampires in Staten Island. There are four vampires, and they're familiar. They're human familiar, um, named Guillermo. Three traditional vampires <laughs> of Nandor, Nadja, and Laszlo. Nadja uh, and Laszlo being husband and wife. And then Colin Robinson, who is a energy vampire, and he's more modern. Um, and uh, he's completely different than the other three who are more traditional Eastern European vampire types. And you know, they live in a, a very Adams Family-esque house. And then Colin Robinson is just kind of your boring sweater vest white dude who just sucks the energy out of people. But he is also a vampire. But a lower class of vampires, at least from this standard vampire class. Um, and they're familiar Guillermo, Guillermo, who has been working for them for mainly for Nandor for 10 years. And uh, with this promise that they would turn him into a vampire one day. And it's just hilarious. It's campy in all the right spots. It's ridiculous. And it's these vampires going through modern tribulations. Uh, one episode, they go to a Super Bowl party, but it is what they believe a superb owl party. And they are going to go meet the superb owl. Um, there's another one where another, uh, a, an emotional vampire, someone who drains people's emotions, starts to work at Colin Robinson's office. And he has to battle it out with this emotional vampire who is good, uh, who for one episode is played by Vanessa B uh, Bayer of SNL fame. But it's just, it's fun. It's ridiculous. You know, how they, they, these characters walk around and people don't realize they're vampires um, is part of the charm of it because they're dressed in Victorian garb and they do nothing to hide the fact that they're vampires. They have no grasp on modern culture, yet they've lived in this country for 400 plus years. And the acting is just, superb because they're hilarious and they're goofy and it's just absurd i killed it all in a couple days and i really want to go and start it over again because i don't think i quite appreciated the first three episodes because i was again on the fence about it um i definitely want to track down the movie so if you've been on the fence about this show if you haven't checked it out check it out uh, it is just it is so good and it is so much fun it's on hulu two seasons i'm really bummed that it's gonna be a long time before the third season comes out at this point it's confirmed for a third season but like i said i want to watch it again it's 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 a lot of fun i can already say i have signed back up for hulu and i am very excited to begin watching this show i just i can't there's no way you won't love this show uh, and if you do then i don't know who you are and i probably shouldn't be on this <laughs> podcast anymore because i've completely misjudged you um, well, like i, I said i love the movie so right. uh, it's uh, it's so good um but I, I do have to track down the movie at this point the second thing that i wanted to touch on was palm springs because i've been watching a lot of what we do in the shadows i've been seeing the ads for palm springs and i will say that groundhog's day is one of the movies that is nearest and dearest to my heart. I love Groundhog's Day. I love Bill Murray, and it. it's directed by Harold Ramis. Um, I watch it every year on Groundhog's Day. It's become a tradition in our household. And they've been touting it, uh, Palm Springs, as a modern take on Groundhog's Day. So the, the infinite time loop kind of movie. So it's kind of like, okay. My wife took that to mean as like a remake of Groundhog's Day. And she was like, well, why would you do that? Um, but there's been other movies that have done this or other episodes. I think a lot of the TV shows growing up in the 90s did a time loop 
you know, it's not an uncommon concept for a, you know, a, a movie or a TV episode where you're living the same day over and over again until you get it right. I mean, we even um, kind of talked about that in a previous episode with the love wedding repeat where it was, kind yeah, of, I mean, that was right. less Groundhog Day, more like Clue where it's sort of exploring multiple timelines or whatever, but yeah, a similar yeah. concept. It's, and yeah. I remember some terrible Christmas movie from when I was younger called like Christmas Every Day where the kid wishes it's Christmas every day and then he like wakes up and it's Christmas Eve every day and he has to replay Christmas over and oh. over until he gets it right. And my kid watches a, like a DuckTales Christmas thing, like a Mickey's yeah. Christmas where the the, yep. With the DuckTales kids, we keep relieving Christmas morning and doing certain things yeah. different. And then by the end, they're just, they want it over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's not a new concept, but um, it definitely it looked interesting, right? Uh, so this is from Andy Samberg and the Lonely Island production company. And it stars him and Kristen Milioti from the final season of How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on how you feel about her, it's not her fault in particular, but I know a lot of people take out their frustrations on her. <laughs> they do. Poor uh, thing. A couple other, uh, J.K. Simmons has a small role in it. He's probably the, at least to me, the other most noticeable, uh, notable um, actor in this. Um, I'm sure if you've watched a lot more stuff than I do, maybe you pick out some other people. Um, but those are the three main-ish characters. I will say it is... It's an enjoyable movie. Uh, my wife quit early on because it is extremely graphic. <laughs> it is rated R and it is extremely sexual. Uh, sexual. I don't want to spoil all of it because Frank has not seen it yet. But while it is a time loop movie, it explores different ideas of a time loop movie. It, you're expecting it to play out like a Groundhog's Day and, and his character is going to feel through this. It is actually not really that at all. Um, you find out some things about his character that actually changes kind of who the movie is really about for a while. So sort of that, that switch up that we saw in 1917, you think you're going in and it's going to be Andy Samberg's movie. It's not necessarily true. It's kind of equally him and, uh, and Sarah, who's played, uh, played by Christina Milioti, um, kind of equally their movie. Um, mm. And it doesn't end in the way that you would expect a movie of this traditionally to end, um, you know, so with the, not with the, I got this day perfectly right. And I wake up and it's the next morning. That is not how this ends at all. It's actually completely different. And so it is really cool because it does tackle this differently. I will say though, uh, in my wife's opinion, it should have been NC-17. <laughs> she didn't think rated R was Why am I enough. even more excited to watch it? <laughs> so um, I definitely, I think, I think Frank, you're going to like it. Um, <laughs> what does I, that mean? <laughs> I just, it, it, it's just knowing what I know about you. I think this is going to be a movie that you enjoy. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's anything masterful. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, if anything, the ending, I mean, you could argue that maybe they do learn things and they do have the best day possible, but I think it's more about what, what is learned along the journey but still, even if they learned everything that they learned, it's unclear if that would have been enough to end the time loop. Because there's mm. a, an event that happens, which you are led to believe is what pulls them out of this time loop. So mm. it's unclear to me. So I'd be interested to get your opinion on that, of whether you think this gets them out of it or not. Um, but it's it, it's cool. Um I definitely check it out. If you've got Hulu, you want to watch some other stuff, you want to watch what we do in the shadows, the, the two seasons of that and check this out. 
I, definitely. It, it's worth it for what we do in the shadows alone. And this happens to be there. Um, you know, if you don't like gratuitous sex uh, and, you know, some non-traditional gratuitous sex, then don't watch this movie. If you like Andy Samberg stuff, if you like stuff from Lonely Island, I mean, this is probably none of this would surprise you. I mean, like a boss alone is probably covers most of the crap that happens in this movie, um, you know, or dick in a box. So yeah. none of this should surprise you coming from him. It's worth a watch. Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't. It's not some masterpiece of theater, but I mean, go five or six out of ten for sure. Check it out. Um, okay. It's definitely worth a watch. If you're hot and in your basement and you just want to kill some time, it was a perfectly acceptable movie for me to watch. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Not not for your wife, though. No. no. I mean, to be fair, though, it did take place in Tom Springs, which was in the desert. So it kind of just fit the mood of feeling like my house because <laughs> everything happened in the <laughs> desert. So it was kind of apt for what we were watching today. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, definitely worth a watch. Um, and uh, you know, let us know what you think. Um, and it may be Frank and chime in uh, when, he, uh, when he hits it up and see what he thinks. Oh, I will be watching it ASAP. Okay, so let's see. I also, I watched a lot of stuff, although I've talked about quite a few things already um, because we've started, you guys have really apparently responded and loved the the 60-second video reviews that yeah. uh, that we've been putting up there and then also just the general, any general reviews that we kind of do a quick blurb about in the comment section. So, so we've been trying to focus a bit more on that this week and we're going to do more of that in the weeks to come. And we're going to start to differentiate. So Tim's going to give some uh, some stuff that he's watching and some reviews on that. So you'll be able to follow more more of the line of like the type of stuff Frank watches day to day, the type of stuff Tim watches day to day. And I feel like we have a lot of crossover generally. And usually if I watch something, Tim will check it out and vice versa. So you'll still get kind of that perspective of the both of us, mainly in the, re- in the rewinds as well. But mm-hmm. anyway, so that being said, I watched a bunch of stuff, which check out Instagram at paused reviews you can see my thoughts on logan you can see my thoughts on a movie called stick it um (laughs) dude anyways just check it out there i struck out a lot like i i feel like i watched a lot of things and some things i didn't finish or haven't quite finished yet or just absolutely hated and i i hate that i don't want this podcast to be like me just griping about stuff what i really want to do is find really great stuff that that we can talk about and say we really enjoyed or, or at least found something redeemable about um and i feel like this just wasn't my week like yeah. I just watched a lot of stuff that just kind of fell really flat to me, which I guess more than anything just aggravated me because there's nothing worse than, I mean, especially when you have such little free time and you want to spend it just sort of checking out and enjoying a movie or a show and you just end up at the end of the two hours or however long you spend on it, like, ugh, you know, it just it makes you feel like crap. Yeah, I mean, I think really today, that's why I was like, you know what, I've been seeing these ads, you and I have talked about, you know, Palm Springs, and the people have been talking about it. I was like, I'm not doing anything today. Yeah, what is the I cannot feel bad about the fact that I'm just trying to stay cool i have noticed that i mean i don't know if any of our listeners have this experience but you know and tim has talked about they're expecting their first which is so exciting um i have you know two soul-sucking children but it no i'm kidding i adore my children um but i will say i i want to believe that so when i first started this when i launched this podcast for the very first time way way back when it was like 2012 2013 and i had no kids and i feel like i locked i liked a lot more 
I was a lot less critical about things. I yeah. have found that now that my free time is so precious, I judge things a little harsher. And I, you know, the, I, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't think it's so much that my tastes have changed. I just think you, you know, you put up with more. So if I had a full day where I had zero expectations on me that day and I'm just vegging out, and I, if I watched one movie that day and then watched that same movie on a day where it's like, you have two hours for the next two weeks. Yeah. Um, I w- you know, I, I'm sure I would probably be a lot more harsh if it's taking up valuable time. Well, yeah. That, that fascinates me, that idea. I want to talk about two things that I watched. The first one is Perry Mason on HBO. And and let me preface this with the the show Perry Mason. It's a, it's a new HBO original, not HBO Max. I believe it is on hbo so you can you get it through hbo max mm-hmm. but if you don't have Max, I, I don't i don't i still don't fully understand i think there are <laughs> technically still two different entities um you can have hbo without maybe having hbo max you can have whatever the the point yeah. is it's not a max original it's an hbo original okay. i don't know why i need to differentiate that but just in case there well, it is uh, yeah i mean because like my dad has comcast xfinity so again going right. back to that login sharing I have access to HBO's streaming service for whatever movie or TV is currently in rotation on HBO's cable channel. I I forget what that's called. HBO Now or HBO. HBO. Yeah. HBO Now versus HBO. Something like that. Uh, And that's the, and that's the Roku thing, the Roku streaming that I use. So anything that's currently on HBO would be on through there right like so that. you would be able to see perry mason but you wouldn't yeah. be able to see love life which is a right. max original mm-hmm. right okay so perry mason is currently in season right so they have four episodes airing on sundays so we're recording this on a sunday episode five would air today uh july 19th um and i'm i'm gonna watch it but it is so i'm not gonna give it a final rating And my recommendation, because like we do with our rewinds, I'm going to post up everything we've talked about and, you know, put the big check mark or the big X, depending on what we what we think about it. I'm going to give the recommendation based on do I think it's worth starting and giving it a shot? Because I can't speak yet to whether or not it's good because there's still a lot playing out where I think this week we'll hit the halfway point of this series. So I just want to preface this with that. It's not over. My review is not final. And it is it's all still kind of pending how certain things play out. I do like it tentatively i like it it's so this is a total revamp i you know perry mason was not something that i watched regularly but my mom definitely did my grandmother watched perry mason this was something that was like on tv constantly and and somehow exactly so i absorbed a lot of perry of the original perry mason show um he was a lawyer it was you know it was but it was one of those shows too um that was like matlock right where why is this lawyer like doing deep like detective work investigation and that kind of stuff um so hbo has changed it up a bit perry mason is not a lawyer he is a private detective full-blown that's what he does um which i like that new dynamic it allows Mm -hmm. him to be a little grittier it allows him to be a little bit um like we talked in the gentleman about uh about what's his face the private fletcher uh, hugh grant playing (laughs) fletcher 
you know, so out the gate, Perry Mason, he's more troubled. He's darker. He's got a failed marriage. He's kind of an absentee dad. He's, you know, like slamming around with this pilot chick. And, and you know, it's like, I don't know. There's just an edge to him that mm-hmm. didn't exist in the original show that totally, like, floats my boat in, like, today's content viewing era, right? Like, okay. it's really cool. It also, it, it's, a, it's a period piece. So it takes place in the 30s. I think it's 1932. So it's right after the crash, right after World War One, right before World War Two. It's a very interesting period of time. I will say so far, everyone the show follows seems very not affected by the crash, uh, by the huge stock market crash. So, you know, normally movies like this and take place in this period of time, you see a lot of people struggling, living in like shanty houses, living in cardboard boxes, whatever the situation is. I'll be honest, it, it feels a lot more like a 50s movie than it does a 30s movie. Uh, yeah, so what, or would a show, be the rather. Point, what would be the point of setting it in this time period if you weren't going to have that as a contributing factor to the, the series? And again, I you know, I don't see... Now, there is some storylines. Okay, so so to continue on, there's a few... The, the my A big criticism I have so far... There are a lot of story arcs. There's a lot of characters. I think it's going to be a 10-episode run in the series. So there's a lot to cover in each hour-long episode. And I think that's biting off a bit more than they need to try to chew. And, mm. and, and in the first four episodes alone, it's pretty evident that we're wasting a lot of time. And I think that's because maybe, I don't know, HBO isn't necessarily prepared or willing to, to say you know, quantity or quality over quantity. Like we have to stick to our strict 10 episode run, maybe an eight episode run or whatever the, you, their format is. They don't want to kind of do like a three episode one off or, or whatever the situation is. Yeah. And I think this could very easily be that Perry Mason himself so far in the first four episodes is maybe in a third of the show. Maybe like, I feel like I'm being generous. So he gets tasked a lot by John Lithgow, who plays uh, a, the lawyer in this. So he plays E.B. something or other. And he gets a case, hires Perry Mason to kind of do the investigating and that kind of stuff. Um, E.B. Has a, has a secretary or an assistant or, you know, whatever. I say secretary only just because that's period. And they kind of say that in the show. Um, I know that we don't really call people that, but whatever. The point is, you know, he has an assistant and we kind of follow her story arc. She's very um, hardcore, gung-ho, like female empowerment. Um, she's, you know, we've kind of been introduced to, she might be uh, she might be a lesbian or at least in some kind of a lesbian type relationship, although that hasn't been fully explored or fleshed out just yet. So it's kind of left a little bit ambiguous as of episode four. Again, it's very difficult to review this not having the yeah. full picture. Um, there is, there's storylines with the DA and there's storylines with the cops involved and there's storylines with, like I said, the Perry Mason's neighbor, the pilot, and, and sort of a love story maybe there. Not really a love story, but just sort of an entanglement or, or whatever. There's, there's a lot going going on and we spend oh and uh, i don't know how i could forget this um there's a massive story arc that is sort of running parallel to everything with this weird church right and it's not quite a cult but it's sort of like 
like today in today's day it would be like this like a huge mega church like a mega televangelist type church um sure. but being in the 30s it's you know there's a lot of references to like oh we're so we're the so-and-so family and we've been renting a pew since 19 whatever and then someone whispers oh pew fort or like row 14 it's like oh yes we share it with another family right so there's a lot of like you kind of get the sense of what this church is and they follow the the quote pastor of that church and her mother and this and there's zero connection really to the story yet they're starting to kind of try to set something up but it's so uninteresting and uninspired and honestly i enjoy watching perry mason doing his dirty gritty investigative stuff that i feel like i'm wasting time with these other tangent characters and yeah. i just don't think we need it the show is called Perry Mason, not like Perry Mason and Friends. And and we spend so much time with everybody else that it just it really detracts from what's really fun and exciting about the show. Again, yeah. four episodes in. So it it sounds a lot like you know the show was called Game of Thrones, so you're going to mm. have a lot of storylines. And and from my understanding, I have never seen but maybe half an episode of game of thrones that's again um, wild to me how are you I, on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> um but like one of the things that turned me off initially was like hey here's a list of all the characters in the first x amount of seasons and like they've all been you know this show's been on for five seasons and they've been on screen for 30 minutes yeah. in five seasons you know what i mean it's absolutely absolutely it's very similar it's not as many characters i will yeah. say that and and already by episode four the end of episode four not giving anything away but there are some characters who are not going to be storylines we're following maybe yeah. and so it is so so the answer to that is yes and no so yeah. very similar, but not as drastic as Game of Thrones. But Game of Thrones, like you said, I mean, especially if you read the books, like I read the books of Game of Thrones, every chapter is named for the person it follows. And mm -hmm. so you're very used to that high turnover rate. And so when the show came out, that wasn't very jarring for people who are fans of the books. Sure. Um, this, this is very different because the only IP that existed before it that I'm aware of, maybe there were books, I don't know, but it is the original show and the show yeah. followed Perry Mason. And, and it was, you know, it was definitely his, this, this show would be like turning on the Andy Griffith show and, and following the, the housekeeper, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. following her for like 45 minutes right. and then seeing Sheriff Griffin, you know, like for 30 seconds. Right, right. That's more like it's it's very, I don't know, it's odd. So, so two two things in bringing that up. So I mentioned Game of Thrones because it kind of harkens back to this idea that I've mentioned previously. I feel like somebody gets a good idea and then suddenly everything is trying to fit in that way. So, you know, American Horror Story, oh, we're going to be an anthology series. And then suddenly everything else wants to be an anthology series mm. you know so like in that vein of like oh yeah we had this other show that worked really well with multiple character lines let's just you know let, let's do something like that the second idea is we've talked about another show that was a reboot of a show that was you know that that we kind of grew up in the periphery of or watched you know in unsolved mysteries and we watched mm. the unsolved mysteries reboot and we're like oh yeah this is unsolved mysteries but a modern version of what Unsolved Mysteries would be. And it worked really well, and it feels enough like Unsolved Mysteries. 
right. but being fresh and new. This sounds like they've missed the mark on kind of both angles. So <laughs> both angles. here's what they did wrong. They took an existing IP that was a weekly procedural that mm. that took a new case, a new issue, a new whatever. It explored it for an hour and it wrapped it up at the end, right? This is trying to take a procedural and turn what should be a one-hour episode into a 10-hour, 10-episode mm. season of a show. And, and because of that, what you've essentially done is everything you would watch Perry Mason do in one hour normally and would expect to see, you now have to watch him do across the span of 10 hours, but it's still mm. only one hour of content. So yeah. what am I going to do with the other nine hours? Well, I need nine other people who are going to give me an hour each of their own storylines and their own things that frankly I don't care about, especially if it's not impacting my lead who I right. haven't seen in 20 minutes. Who the so, show is named after. <laughs> who the show is named after. So it is, you know, this isn't, I don't know, like I could see, uh, you know, like Gotham or something like that where you're going to take a proprietary IP and say, Perry Mason was super cool. He lived in whatever. I know this is Power Rangers, but it's like Angel Grove, right? So instead of right, like following right. that, we're going to say this is called Angel Grove and this is the world of Perry Mason. Like Riverdale has done it, right? This yeah. is this is the world of Archie, but we're going to explore all this other stuff if we were gonna within do this Andy universe. Griffith, it would be called uh, Mayberry. Mayberry. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So it's like, welcome to Mayberry here's other tangent stories that happen at the same time in the same universe as Sheriff Griffith and Opie and all this other kind of stuff right yeah but that's not what they did here they said this is Perry Mason and here he is for seven minutes and here's this person and this person and this church and that thing so all that being said again four episodes in I know I sound like I'm kind of beating it up it's still interesting and and I will say this my recommendation as of today is that it is worth a chance right and and i'm very and i'm gonna keep watching it and i'm curious to see how they bring it home maybe things make sense i but i reserve final judgment because my if my recommendation today is i think it deserves a chance that's kind of what i'm saying now but mm -hmm. in five weeks from now it may be my apologies that was garbage do not watch it and it's at this point in the game it is very likely that this could end up either way it could yeah. end up really turning a corner because i'll say episode four was kind of like the most we saw of him in action it got pretty interesting the stakes got kind of high and it, it met the mark of like give it three episodes and there's sort of like this turning point westworld had that and, and a bunch of yeah. shows have had that where it's kind of like teetering and just trying to be something and then just hits this moment where you're like oh i'm in this now um, so, that might be the case here, but it might not. So let me let me ask you this, and I, I, I'm very intrigued by this, obviously, because I keep jumping in here with, with, <laughs> you with these ideas. Um, so going back to our idea about, you know, what's the difference between the HBO streaming services, right? Mm. Do you think there's a correlation then of why this wouldn't be original content on HBO Max versus regular HBO? Is there a... Is there a line in the sand there where, or is it you think just the deal that they signed with the producers? Yeah, because I think you know, that it, would be that's definitely like a it's that's a mega insider question that I totally yeah. 
would be fascinated to know the answer to. Yeah, I, right. I don't. And again, I think that's a matter of HBO figuring out who they are moving forward. Mm-hmm. Are they are they HBO, the premium network channel, the premium cable channel and yeah. HBO Max, the original series, whatever. But they both make original series. They're both right, investing right. in content. Now, HBO Max is more of a partnership. There is a partnership, a more of a partnership with Warner Brothers. You know, so you're getting a lot more of the DC content and you've struck yeah. these deals for some reason. Again, it's really muddy what they have done and they need to sort that out because it's yeah. super confusing. So the answer is I don't know. This very much though is an HBO show. You wouldn't have Max, you wouldn't need to have Max to have it if you already pay for right. HBO for other things, whatever. But you know, I think this could live on either. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of you know, I think this could have very this could have been a deal struck for either way. I don't think yeah. Max has a vision that is contrary to what the show is about. Therefore, yeah. it lives on HBO, like like Disney Plus versus Hulu versus right. Like Disney owns ABC, Disney, um, right. Marvel, whatever. But like, if it's adult, it's going to be on Hulu. If it's family friendly, it's on Disney Plus. I don't see that delineation or anything similar to that. Mm-hmm. But it, it very much feels like an HBO show, hundred um, percent. But again, I think I think that really is a question that highlights HBO's internal issues of trying yeah. to figure out what the heck is this and why are we spending it on this versus like what makes this different? Why is this special? Yeah, whatever. I recommend it for a shot, and I recommend it. I think it's it's different and cool enough to to watch it and see where it goes. But I do it with caution and trepidation. I certainly wouldn't fault or blame anybody. In fact, I changed my mind. I think this is a, a wait a minute, right? Unless you are like eagerly curious or think everything I've said sounds like exactly what you'd like. Oh, I don't like following one character or, right, you right. know, I'm super spastic. And I want to be told a hundred stories at once. I don't know, man. Maybe this is like a hundred percent for you. Yeah. But I think, you know, if you listen to, to podcasts and you listen to this one in particular, but anything for recommendations or suggestions before you dive in, I would say this is a safe one to hold on. This is mm. not Game of Thrones. This is not something else where it's like, dive in with both feet episode one was amazing these characters are incredible the story is insane like this is not that this is very much a waiting to see if someone else watches it all first and says it's epic then you tune in you suffer through the first four and and you get to number five and then the the second half like you know the back nine is just like whoa this made everything worth it um and, and you know we still have about five or six weeks before we know the answer to that so I will say I'm enjoying it enough that I'm going to continue to watch it. Uh, but I wouldn't say run out and do it, you know, unless unless you unless your AC is broken and you're just, you know, sweating <laughs> balls in your basement. Then why not? Right. Kid free yep. living. Um, there you go. OK, so that out of the way. Again, I apologize, guys. I want to talk highly about things, but. You just can't win them all. The other one I watched was the Netflix, the new Netflix original film, The Old Guard, which we talked a little bit about this in the beginning. They released their top 10. This one has skyrocketed into the top 10, right? So um, (laughs) 
In terms of viewership, we you sure are going you really to really want to do the top ten rewatch, dude. We're doing it, man. <laughs> we are doing it because again, like I wanted just because a lot of people watched it. All that meant was there was a lot of people with broken ACs. Like it doesn't mean it was good, um, and that is the case for the old guard. I watched this movie. I was a forty-five. I I wanted so bad to like this. Charlize Theron. I. Um, I love her. I think she's incredible. I especially love her in action. We had just heard the news that they had recast uh, the Furiosa prequels, the Fury Road prequel, that they're not going to bring Charlize back. They're bringing in a young blood, and it's, you know what I mean? So, like, all of this was fresh, and then all of a sudden, Netflix drops her in a lead action role with a really cool premise, right? It's essentially like a, a, like a, a mercenary team of immortals doing battle fighting for justice kind of finding their way and uh, dude at immortal you've got me right like i am fascinated by stories that revolve around that and this tackles that and really i mean it really drives this home but like uh one of my favorite vampire movies ever is interview with the vampire mm-hmm. and and the one line that always strikes me is you know christian slater wants to be a vampire and the the line i think it's brad pitt who delivers it is like so few have the stamina for immortality right and it's and you never think about it that way we're so focused on not wanting to die and wanting to keep living but can you imagine if you just kept living that's why the groundhog day kind of type movies are so fascinating and and all this it's ex- it would be exhausting to never have an end yeah well and i think that's where a lot of the, the a lot of the conflict in what we do in the shadows in the series comes from is because these vampires have had 400 years right with the idea that they were supposed to conquer a america and they're like oh well we got busy doing (laughs) nothing yeah they've just fallen out of touch with everything yeah (laughs) like you know so and anyways it's a it's a concept that exists in a lot of things and i was really excited to see it through the lens of this action-packed like shoot 'em up type movie with Charlize at the helm um i was fired up for all of it I was 45 minutes into this movie and I absolutely hated it. I was amazed how for something meant to be so action packed, it was so incredibly boring. Ugh. 45 minutes in, I was so bored. We had done so much talking and we had like just painstakingly like tried to just like really dive into every single person's individual issue with with being alive forever right like everyone has a major issue and and it is it is painful it is so painful the but you know what really shocked me on top of that is that the acting was atrocious the acting mm. was ter- like big name people the acting was so Bad. And considering that this movie boasts Charlize Theron and Chiwetel Ejiofor, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I, and those were kind of their biggest names. Um, I guess you, I was starting to become concerned. I mean, I didn't care that I didn't recognize a lot of people. Those are two big heavy hitters. I got yeah. very concerned when the big bad is the fat cousin from Harry Potter, who's like mm. super skinny now, the kid yeah. from Buster Scruggs, like the... <laughs> yeah. Right? The armless legless kid. The yeah. armless legless guy, right. And so, like, he's the big heavy in this. And <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, guys, I'm out. Like, did we burn all the cash on Charlize yeah. and Chiwetel? Like, maybe, but you've got nothing? Like, you can't bring in anybody else? 
Dudley was a jackass, but like if it ended up like, you know, Deathly Hollows part four and he's Harry Potter versus Dudley, I think we would have been a little bummed. Dude, it was uh anyways, so not only was the acting terrible, the dialogue in this movie, the writing in this movie is even worse. I didn't care at all about the characters or their stories. You know, it was an effort for me to make it into the first 45 minutes. Like, an effort. I remember vividly pausing the movie to, to do something. And I'm like, I mean, I've clearly, like, this is almost over. Like, I've been watching this. 45 minutes felt like hours. When I saw there was another 120 minutes left, I was devastated. Tim, I was <laughs> devastated. Um, the only thing that I enjoyed was like, I paused it and as I was watching it, I just found myself being really thankful that I was mortal. Like, that I am actively yeah. immortal because... I think you texted me when you, oh, at this point, when I you did. <laughs> I did, because like, knowing that I wasn't immortal, all that meant was that at any moment, there was a chance that sweet death's release was going to deliver me from this debacle and that i wouldn't have to finish it to talk about it here honestly when i hit this halfway point not even halfway point i had no idea how i was going to make it i didn't know how i was going to make it through this one all that the fighting in this movie it's good it's it's good the action scenes are fun they're exciting but they are few and far between and there's so much talking and not just talking but repeating and everyone's like everyone's like drama face and like oh it just made me feel ill it was like it was just begging it was like care about me care about my woes and the truth is is, uh, how can we relate like we can't necessarily always relate to this kind of stuff right like we didn't all live a thousand years and watch 17 of our loved ones die like that's just not like calm it down a little bit and let's just explore what's interesting about this premise don't try to make it so real um Edgy of Four is one of the only people in this movie to show up for work. But the problem with that is there are moments, right, where he's he has these revelations and he has his acting is on he's off the charts, man. Chuwatel Edgy of Four is off the charts good at what he hmm. does. The problem is is that he's so good that he made everybody else look even that much worse by comparison wow so every scene he's in and he's bringing it it just highlights how bad everybody else is the third act is tolerable you know the final boss fight is epic but again it just wasn't enough to save this one for me uh nothing infuriated me more than the ending Uh, you know they left it totally wide open for a franchise i swear to god if they make another one of these i will lose my mind but of course they will it's already well in their top 10 of all time and netflix greenlight sequels for anything that gets three or more streams everything about this really bothered me you know i don't know i've ranted about it enough it's a three it's a three out of ten and and chuatel gets like two and a half of those charlise's epic fight scenes gets the other 0.5 everything else is an absolute letdown in this movie it's i hated it i hated this movie and and the fact that it's set up to be this franchise it's so bad on every possible level it gives you zero satisfaction even in the end it sucks hard it's not good at all Mm. three i actually hate that i'm giving it a three but whatever it's a three (laughs) Oh, this movie's the worst. I'm telling you, dude, I've been in a bad mood all week just because. Like, 
it's it's been so bad. Anyways, that's what I've been watching this week. Um, mm. Okay, so let's end on that note. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so in, in summation, watch everything that I watched this week. Yes. Don't watch anything that Frank watched. Yeah. Well, like weeks. I said, you know, Perry Mason, it's worth a start. Yeah, right. But I'm right. not say I can't say yet it's good. But no, man, the yeah, the old guard was atrocious. And uh but Logan was great. Yeah. <laughs> you can check that out on Instagram. Um anyways, that being said, I think uh I think that I think that wraps us up for the night. Let's see. Oh, okay. So uh, so next week is our next deep dive, and we talked about it in The Gentleman. We're talking about the romantic film, the romantic comedy, maybe? Uh, it's called About Time. Yeah, I believe it's still on Netflix. So you can see that on Netflix. Rachel McAdams, Domhnall Gleeson. I'm yeah. kind of excited. You haven't seen this one, right? No, I have not. Yeah, I'm kind of fired up for you guys to watch this and uh, and for us to dive into this one. Um, let's see what else. Uh, other than that, you know, keep following us, interacting with us. We're going to be putting a lot more reviews up during the week. We're going to be doing a lot more great stuff on Instagram. So uh, check us out there at Paused Reviews. You can go to the website, and get links to everywhere that we're streaming our stuff, and you can subscribe and rate and share and all that jazz. So that's PauseReviews.com. And as always, if you need to email us or do anything else, pausereviews at gmail.com. Other than that, we will uh, we'll just keep watching and we'll get ready for next week's episode about time. And, uh, and we will catch you guys then. So as always, I'm your boy Frank. This is Tim. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you on the next one. See ya. Yeah. Peace.